Hi there. You're listening to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master and host around these parts. Now this is a special bonus bespoke miniseries I'm putting together for my buddy Chris's birthday. And so this is The Legend of Arabet. Kick back, sit back, chill out, and relax. As we go back to old Bailey Mina, where the hoods and the harlots are found, and the streets are considerably meaner down in that there end of the town. Now here comes a hood with a hard head and a heart that he wears on his sleeve. Folks around here call him Arabet, and the trouble he gets in you wouldn't believe. So begins the legend, and now on with the show. Get ready now, ye runatics, and let's roll. <laughs> Hey, Arabat. Yes? So, as you're packing up to go and get ready for your upcoming sojourn into the Fae, you're getting your go bag ready. You know, it's always packed. But you, at times like this, you got to take everything out and inspect it and uh, see that there's nothing wrong with it. There never is. Never is. But, you know, it'll be that one time that you didn't check that rats got in and ate the soles out of your boots, right? Fucking rats. But anyway, uh, everything is together. This is all laid out very meticulously through long practice as though experience has taught you hard lessons regarding these right but uh well actually you know on that note um it's as you're going through your kit that you find like your foul weather gear you're checking your potions um you find your first aid potion and it occurs to you that this is the last of stitches, cure-alls. Over the last couple of days, you've checked all of the drops in the city because like more of these are always better, right? For sure. Like nothing, they've been ransacked and uh, obviously broken into. So Stitch wouldn't do that. Amazing the diligence that he would put into these things. Like no fewer than 30 of your dead drops found and raided. All throughout Bailey Mina. Well, old Bailey Mina, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that's concerning. Hmm. I have to think about that when I get back. That's, yeah. And it's just something you've taken for granted. But it wasn't always like this, was it? No, no, it wasn't. As Arabet standing there with the moons visible through the glass roof of the greenhouse behind him, uh, as he stands there, and holds this potion, which is in a can about the size of your average tall beer. It has no script on it, just a black cat stamp. And we focus on that, and the mists swirl, and the black cat fades out, and we see the camera coming in high over the clouds, as we always do when we're introducing another tale of Bailey Mina. And uh, this time, as we come in, from the sea garden with the bright sun shining over the blue sea with all the 
colors of the sea garden beds of vegetation and fish beneath it, and the underwater farms of the water genii. The spectacle is quite colorful and breathtaking, even up to the mouth of the Bailey Mina Fjord, which, even though the coming and going of ships draws out long tendrils of soot which get washed into the firth from the many smokestacks and chimneys of the city of steel and steam, the effect is that of a big black burn plant on the bottom of the ocean. Oddly beautiful, even for its ugliness. The camera goes through the mists and fog and clouds of Bailey Mina past the towers and down. It dives and takes a and careens toward the east bank of the Firth. And this district, a residential neighborhood just off of the foundries. We pull along this row house these this row of houses which climbs a hill letting their roofs appear like um the teeth of a saw blade inset in each one of these peaks is a round window and it's into one of these that we peer the window has been cracked slightly and the screen is caked with soot so the fan which valiantly tries to blow hot air out into the cool of the morning is doing very little but once we clear that sooty screen, we see the beautiful golden brown skin of a sleeping Maravian woman whose hair is draped out all over the pillows as she sleeps comfortably face down. At the corner of the bed is a young man who we recognize as a young Arabet. He's pulling on his boots and, you know, getting dressed for the day, he stands up and buckles his trousers and then turns to the girl. Hmm. I can't seem to remember her name. Oh, well. I kiss her in the back of the neck. Well, hon, I thank you. I have to go to do my job, so I'll be back. And she snuggles in and makes all those noises that sleeping people do and, like, pulls the feather tick up over her head. It's interesting because it is fucking sweltering in here and she's sleeping under that great big thick feather, feather blanket like weren't nothing right it's winter so great but how hot must it be in maravilla so you get down the stairs and like the temperature just plummets as you head down the three staircases you pass the tenants on the second floor and they're a half orcish couple They've got scarfs over their faces and like bags of groceries in either hand. And he's fumbling with the human size key with his big orcish fingers. They both nod at you, right? And a little bit of little drift of silvery dust falls off the brim of his bowler. So you bustle past them around the corner, down to the street. And when you open up the front door and step out, you uh, take the filter mask out of your inner pocket, fit it on carefully with your uh, round smoked glasses to keep your eyes protected. Across the street, you see uh, a man huddling by the staircase, lighting a cigarette with one of those bullet casing lighters. He gets the smoke lit and draws deep and then hacks heartily until he spits a great big thick mouthful out into the dust. Meanwhile, the local dustbin kids, these, uh, this legion of street sweepers who just seems to lurk about everywhere comes out 
polishes the spit off the rock and then goes back to sweeping the dust out of the corners or whatever he was doing. Man, this place is dusty. The guy's like waves it waves you with his smoke and then like does one of those big throaty coughs into his other hand as you get uh, as you get walking by. Yeah, it's dusty. You walked through here from the pub district about five blocks over and uh upwind, I might add. And uh your mask is already getting clogged up. You don't usually have one because you don't spend a lot of time here. Everybody knows that this place is like they're nice apartments, but everybody like the people who used to own them have moved up into the towers and peaks because it gets hard to breathe sometimes. No kidding. I'll uh, proceed home, I guess. Uh, what's the fastest route? The bus or a cab? I think that from here, you could probably buster it to the foot of Copper Penny Road. I'll do that then. So you wind your way down these streets, and this place is windy. Like, there's not a lot of room between these row houses. Most of them are just like one solid building that climbs 200 feet up this slope with different walls and rooms between them. You know what I mean, right? The brownstones and stuff. But where they break is just the most narrow alleys. There's such room for sneaking and skullduggery around here. And your your eye just picks them out, but that's that's not your day. And in fact, you'd rather just get out of here. So downhill and then up the Buster Tram platform to uh, where the southbound is rattling in in a couple of minutes. There's nobody on the platform at this hour of the morning. And besides, it's the day of rest, right? Like, you're not going to see anybody on the buster until after the prayer hour is finished. And that won't be for a couple yet. So you rattle around the Firth and, you know, those times when it climbs up above the clouds. Here at 7 in the morning, up above the clouds, the sun is already up and brilliant and everything is bright and shiny and clean and beautiful oh i take off that mask oh yeah here you feel the sunshine on your face and you can crack the car windows just like those two inches just to ventilate right that's what they're for but not big enough that anybody of any size can crawl out and throw themselves to their death and sue the city right point being you get that breeze and it's 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 clean right and you can almost feel it like blowing the dust out of your hair and uh when you sit back down and look there's like one other person in the cab and they're this indeterminate person that just looks like a pair of eyeballs from a stack of hair and cloth you know this is one of the buster folk you've heard of them you know like nobody messes with them they just are. They live on the buster. Like, they'll get off every once in a while to do their business and stuff like that. And, like, go to the bathroom and beg or whatever. But most of the time, they just ride around on the buster. And you see that they've got this scarf, which they pull across where their nose and mouth would be as they glare at you, kind of like, dude, get out of the wind. Spread that shit around. I slam the window shut just like drops the 
Nick takes their scarf down and then goes back to talking to themselves and, you know, reading a pamphlet. Hmm. At least you can read. Well, no, it's upside down and backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bandamina. With that, the train dips back down into the mist and, uh, you know, it gets gray and boring and you notice like as the train goes rattling past the base of this tower, up above the clouds, it's always like at a distance of 30 to 40 feet, right? It's a high trellis that, you know, might brace off the towers, but doesn't disturb them overly. Down here in the misty parts, though, like it's a good thing those windows don't open up any longer because a bugbear take their arm off. Too true, eh? So down here within the mist, you can see the pigeon shit that crusts the stonework of these towers. And then like more gray and then like the swirling mist. And then you kind of come out underneath it into the perpetual twilight that is Bailey Mina's ground level. Home sweet home. And there's all the smokes and the stinks and everything that you're used to. But at least here, the winds are not. Like, the, the winds go out to sea, and you are inland of the foundries, and that is a good thing. So the carriage rattles to the end of Copper Penny Road, and you disembark. There's a bunch of street-working girls. They're like, oh, hi, how are you? Good morning, ladies. Just getting in? Yes, ma'am. Us, too. See you later. And, like, they go, they go like, hailing a cab to rattle off to their apartments elsewhere in old bailey mina you just go sauntering up the street and there's like the like there's the the morning carts are coming out to sell their wares and the day businesses are opening up like the the markets down closer to the wharfs right mm -hmm. just uh like so like just north of where you are and towards the Firth is where the market districts are all opening up. And you can see, like, the night people are packing it in, going home for the day. So, like, I mean, that shift change is happening. You just drift through the crowd and help yourself to some, uh, help yourself to something to eat as you're on the way home. Uh, you slip into your window and you're sure your mom doesn't hear you. So, off to the shower with you. Yo, yeah, got to get that grime off. As you're sneaking out of the third floor bathroom, she's there. She's wearing her red dress. Bonjour, mademoiselle. Bonjour, Etienne. Comment ça va? Oh, I am doing extremely well. She runs the numbers in her red dress. It's her end of week routine, the day of rest. It's also when she likes to talk business. And yup. The flowers she has in her hair, which is a long braid straight down the middle of her back. Well, it's daisies, Etienne. No nonsense. The red dress business. Shit. How have your piano lessons been going, Etienne? Again with the piano lessons, Mom. Especially now, Etienne. Madame Lajmondière says that you have not been for several weeks. I've been working. He asked me to do a few favors, yes. He draws you in with every favor you grant him. You know what I think of him, Etienne. And do you know what he thinks of you? 
personally, I don't care. He's a criminal. And I'm surprised that I have to tell you this. This is an honest house, Etienne. Our name, Etienne. I understand. I keep our name clean, man. That's not the point. The point is, I can't have you out there risking your life every night. You should be here playing piano, learning to do the books, learning to be a good companion to those in need, to hear the problems of the troubled, ease the minds of the worried, to do the valuable work that we do here. You know this. I did not build all of this for myself, Etienne, but to leave something to you. And you won't even learn basic piano. You think you get through life on a smile and your charms. This, she says, as she reaches out and pinches your cheek. And uh, she goes, this, it only lasts so long. And this, she pinches your arm and she's like this, you have to work even harder once you get to be my age, to stay this strong, this limber. This is youth, Etienne. This is not wisdom. Trash alcohol, he give you thrill. He give you a good time. This is not proper work. What are you saying, Mom? I'm saying that you make a decision. You stay here, you be part of this, what we are building here. You and I. You know, Etienne, all this time. I built this not for myself, but to leave something to you. It's not exactly what I wanted, though, Mom. Well, I could have had a good life back in Estimon, but I come here. I opened this house for us, for you. I'm sorry, maybe I did not find you good enough. I thought this was enough. More of this tear-jerking bullshit. Mademoiselle, I will go by the name Arabet. Oh, you've made your decision then. Fine. Get your things and leave. I will not sip out this. Oh, you a minute longer. Go! And then she storms off, like her heart is broken and she's fixing to die. It's a number three damsel in distress, straight out of the playbook, and nobody does it better. I put my rent on top of the dresser. All right. You leave the money on the dresser and walk out. If you haven't got problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one. Well, friends, if you like the sound of that, there's more next week in a little initiative we here in the Runelands call Project Mayhem. Let us know what you think. We're at Cast the Runes on Twitter. We're on Facebook as the Runelanders. You can send us email to runelanders at gmail.com or just drop us a note on our site. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Until next... I'm DM Matt Adam. Take good care.